0: Sox Weekly, the official weekly talk show covering all things White Sox baseball. Get the fireworks ready. White Sox Weekly on WLS AM 890. Good afternoon and welcome into White Sox Weekly here on WLS AM 890. I'm Connor McKnight. We got you for another hour here to talk White Sox baseball and take a look at the rest of ...of the Major Leagues to kind of a special show for us. It is Christmas Eve, and well, we can't thank you enough for spending an hour with us here on the station, you can give the gift of, in case you're like me, a last-minute gift buyer. I won't say that I've got necessarily all of my Christmas shopping done now, but most, the thing of it is I'll probably end up buying a couple last-minute things. And if you're looking like me for a couple of last-minute things you can give the gift of White Sox baseball this holiday season. White Sox holiday packs include ticket vouchers redeemable for 66 great games in 2018 and start at just $29. Each order is shipped with a decorative card. Vouchers do not need to be redeemed at the same time and can be spread across multiple games, so your holiday cheer can be spread across as many baseball games as you can possibly find. Uh, Visit WhiteSox.com slash holiday packs for more information Or to order yours today. Here's what we're up to on the show this afternoon. First and foremost, we continue and we'll wrap up the last position in our review preview series. Position player, I should say. We're going to go at right field. It's the one we've been kind of putting off uh, for a couple of weeks, we had some news around the winter meetings. We shuffled a thing or two because of some free agent signings or, or lack thereof, and that's why we did some relievers earlier. Uh, we are hitting right field today. That means we're talking Avi Garcia. That means we're talking Aloy Jimenez, and that means we're going through the system because the White Sox really do have some, some interesting talent in right field other than the all-star Avi Garcia and other than top prospect Aloy Jimenez. So we'll get to those guys. We'll go down the list. We will next week, as long as there's, again, no news to cover or at least uh, no breaking news to cover, next week we'll get into the starting pitchers. And that's going to be a big show, too. I expect wall-to-wall kind of stuff. I I think that's going to be because so much of the the trades in the last calendar year for the White Sox, more than the last calendar year now for the White Sox, have brought back pitching, uh, specifically starting pitching. Obviously, I think that has a lot to do with the White Sox and how they've rebuilt this club to go ahead and take another step forward in 2018. So I I think next week's show, too, will be kind of wall-to-wall. I've been excited about right field and the rotation, taking a look at each one of those in our review-preview series. However, because we've got a chance and because, I I suppose, we're looking to give out gifts here on the night before Christmas – I, I'm going to bring back a really, really good interview that we did about two months ago with White Sox minor league pitching coach Matt Zaleski. You'll remember Matt. He was, well, first he was on the show. So if you're a listener, you probably heard him. Uh, but if you didn't, he is the low-A, Kannapolis Intimidators pitching coach. That means he had Dane Dunning. That means he had Alec Hansen. That means he was... On a minor league team that went all the way to the finals, ended up losing in that final round in Greenville, uh, but did make that finals, did make that run, and graduated a lot of talent through as well. Uh, Dane Dunning, Alec Hanson, both being promoted a couple of times, in Hanson's case, last season. I thought the interview was really good, and since we're heading towards starting pitching next week, I thought it'd be a pretty good idea to bridge this week's show into next week's show, because... Like I said, we're going to be so wall-to-wall, I think, in that starting pitching review preview series that we've, we've got to take an opportunity here to kind of refresh, hit the refresh button a little bit and make sure everybody remembers you know, who we're talking about and the depth that we're talking about, too. So that interview will be on the show today. I, I want to do, though, real quickly here before we hit the break and before we get into right field, I want to talk a little bit about the news we covered last week and a little development that's come up since. Obviously, in last week's show, we talked with Scott Merkin after he had just finished covering the winter meetings. There was a lot of noise and a lot of rumor around Manny Machado of the Baltimore Orioles and the White Sox being, according to a lot of different reports, involved in the bidding process or, or making an offer, I should say. Bidding kind of sounds like a free agent more than it does a potential trade target, but They were throwing offers around, apparently, about Manny Machado. Turns out Dan Duquette runs the Orioles, makes the baseball decisions there. He he, says he's going to hang on to Manny Machado, that the offers weren't, I suppose, overwhelming enough to necessitate a move of Manny Machado. And I just... Instead of taking this from the White Sox point of view, which is something we did, you know, pretty much all last week, let's get there by taking a look at it. I think quickly from the Orioles point of view, something that's been reported over and over again is, and I, I don't know if this is true. I just, you know, it, it's out there in the bloodstream often enough to merit bringing up here on the show. Is somewhat of a, somewhat of a fear, I suppose, on the Orioles side of Manny Machado, one way or another, ending up in Yankee pinstripes. A fear of going to a division rival makes some sense, I suppose. The Yankees have a ridiculous farm system, same as the White Sox. It's just they're they're constructed a little differently, right? The White Sox have a number of arms, which you know we're going to talk about in next week's show, and the Yankees have you know a couple of arms, but some that got hurt this last season. Uh, more so, the bat collection, right? There's Gleiber Torres, there's Clint Frazier in the outfield, the redheaded one, who I quite like a bit, and I suppose. If you did have that worry, and, and remember those reports were out that the White Sox maybe wanted to flip, but I, I don't I don't think there's much merit to that anymore. I, I don't know that there ever necessarily was not to bag on somebody's reporting. I mean you you hear it and you go for it, you hear it and you get it sourced correctly and, and you go with those reports. I just I, I would have a tough time envisioning uh that kind of trade working out and and keeping the window open the way Rick Hahn has said the White Sox are looking at keeping the window open long term, you know, increasing the chances of making the playoffs multiple times by gathering a young, large, young crew of really talented players. I just don't think that if you were to pick up Manny Machado and then flip him at the deadline, that your return is going to be quite as good as it would be right now if you're the Orioles trading. Him. Stick with the Orioles' point of view for just a second, since so it is what we decided we were going to do here. They've put themselves, I suppose, in a bit of a tight spot. The Orioles, for a while now, have had offenses and defenses decent enough to get them in the conversation for a wild card or perhaps even the AL East, depending on the year and depending on you know whether that's a, an up or a down year for one of Boston or, or New York, I suppose. Uh, and the Rays as well, but we're going a little bit farther back than, than probably we ought when we're bringing in the Rays. That said, they haven't been able to get pitching put together. Kevin Gossman, uh, who might be their ace in waiting or might be their ascendant ace, has you know struggled at times and I think been held back some too. Uh, Chris Tillman had a, a really rough year last season. They let go of Miguel Gonzalez I, I'm not entirely sure why. And Miguel had himself, you know, a, a couple of good seasons here on the South side, too, and we'll see where he ends up in free agency. Uh, where Miguel ends up could be here on the South side. Who knows? That said, you hang on to a guy like Manny Machado as long as you can. I, I understand wanting to, you know, make a decision on that talent or, or at least hold on to that talent as long as you can. But in the position they've, they've kind of put themselves, Paying what they did for Chris Davis, um, getting themselves into a a financial situation where they've maybe not given themselves the flexibility that they needed to sign a generational type talent, and certainly a guy that's going to find a a generational type contract in Manny Machado when he hits free agency after this coming season. They've put themselves in a bit of a bind, I suppose, and I, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't begrudge them, and I don't. For not making a move if you've not been blown away, we've we've seen, we've seen Rick Hahn do the same thing, held on to Jose Quintana, waited for the opportunity to get there. Obviously, Jose had to pitch a little bit better after the first couple of months uh, of that season and making a trade and and making sure the value came back correctly. But you know, with with the rumors now, with the reports now, I shouldn't say rumors, reports now, that that Samani Machado is going to stay put. I think. You know, essentially two things that I can understand the call being made by the Orioles, um, whether they're dealing with the White Sox as the top offer or or other teams as the top offer. And quite frankly, I get the sense from White Sox fans, at least you know, interacting with some on Twitter and kind of hearing the chatter that there's a little bit of an uh, and I kind of find it funny in a good way, a little bit of an exhale, a little bit of a okay, let's just move on with with the players we've got with the talent that, that the White Sox are developing with the kids that we've heard about over the last 18 months or so and see what happens there. And I find that to be pretty exciting. I'll tell you why. Because they've shown you, the kids, I mean, and I suppose the White Sox front office too, that they've so far picked some pretty good talent and that these kids have stepped up to a lot of the challenges. Yeah, there have been some setbacks, but specifically, if you look at starting pitching, a lot of the guys that they acquired and, and drafted over the last year, remarkable steps taken. Michael Kopeck ascended into what might be the best starting pitching prospect in baseball. Alec Hansen has regained all of the momentum that he was carrying from his junior season at Oklahoma into the senior season. If he'd have come out, I know you, you've you probably heard this a thousand times, but I think it's worth repeating, Hanson could have been a 1-1 guy, the top overall guy, if he came out after his junior year. He had a horrible senior year and has put it back together in a really big way with the White Sox. The steps taken here have been some fun ones to watch, and I think we saw some of that reaction, some of that some of that exhaling maybe, from from Sox fans and good on you. I I think it's I think it's great that the investment is there in this process and in these kids, so that when the name of a potential superstar is brought up, you raise an eyebrow a little bit. It's not just done. It's okay. Let's think about what it would cost, how it would work, what the window looks like, what that horizon looks like. I I thought it was pretty darn cool and who knows, maybe we'll see a rumor pop up here or there, a report pop up here or there as the holidays tick off the calendar and we move into 2018. Uh, we got to hit the break, but White Sox fans, you can sign up for SoxFest 2018 right now to receive a Hawk Harrelson talking bobblehead. The exclusive giveaway item is only available through SoxFest Hotel Packages. That is coming up. SoxFest is January 26th through January 28th. You can join us for a weekend of White Sox baseball that you will not want to miss. Hotel packages are available now at com slash SoxFest. Right field is next in the review preview series. Stay right here. This is White Sox Weekly on WLS AM 890. Welcome back to White Sox Weekly here on WLS AM 890. I'm Connor McKnight. And Sox fans, it's never too early to lock in a 2018 ticket package. Full and partial ticket plans are available, including a lower-level 10-game plan starting at $230. Take advantage of great benefits like discounted pricing and flexible payment plans. For more information, call 312 674 1000 or visit whitesox.com. One little bit of news that we got to get to before we start the review preview series in right field. The White Sox on Friday afternoon claimed right handed pitcher Jose Ruiz off waivers from the Dodgers. Ruiz is 23 years old. He was DFA'd by the Padres on the 15th. Spent 2017 in class A ball. Five nine eight ERA, two saves, forty five strikeouts in forty-four appearances. That covers forty-nine and two-thirds innings. He pitched a little bit last season against the Mets, threw a scoreless inning there, and then was returned back to Class A ball. He's six foot one. 190 he was originally a catcher coming up but recently switched over to uh to pitching and you guessed it I, you figure a, a claim like this a waiver claim like this with a guy who was previously a catcher i would imagine that your the light bulbs going off thinking well he probably throws hard indeed he does he's got a fastball that hits around 99 miles an hour certainly an upper 90s type guy he is on the 40 man roster which means the White Sox 40-man roster goes to 37 in total. So small addition to the bullpen there. We'll see if Jose Ruiz factors in spring training when we get down there. So let's get into right field, shall we? Our review preview series has landed us in right, which means we have a lot to discuss about Avisail Garcia, super prospect Eloy Jimenez, and a couple other real interesting prospects the White Sox have throughout the minors. Let's start with the White Sox lone All-Star from 2017. Avi Garcia had a career year. In in a season where, boy, coming into it, there were whispers about perhaps Avi being non-tendered, not being brought back onto a team that was probably going to look to give opportunities to other players and see what kind of value was there. Avi hit 330. His on-base percentage was 380. He slugged 506. He was the He was one of the best hitters in baseball against left-handed pitching. He clubbed 18 home runs, 80 RBI. He walked 30 times, had five stolen bases, uh, 27 doubles, five triples. Did deal with a couple injuries, too. Avi had his legs beat up pretty good. He had a finger injury just before going to his first All-Star game in Miami. Uh, This was a guy who played through a number of different injuries, and Ed and DJ would talk about it all the time on the broadcast Avi had infield hits in 2017 he beat out baseballs that that kept things in play that that gave him more chances defensively too i, I think we saw the quality from Avi Garcia increase i think he was a a more than capable right fielder last season uh, certainly you know we we'd seen some stumbles and some issues out there with with taking routes and you know with just being just being a right fielder Ball skills were always pretty decent. You know, once he got there, he seemed to have a handle on what he was doing. I mean, got to a baseball. Uh, but the arm has always played and played well. Uh, defensively, the numbers, you know, it was pretty quite capable right fielder. and 13 assists for Avi Garcia in right field this year, too. Nine errors. I think overall, this was the Avi Garcia. That the White Sox had hoped to see when they traded for him a handful of years ago, right when he came over essentially in the two thousand and thirteen season, and although injuries had set him back some you know the the broken collarbone there on a diving play in right field and the 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 linear development of avi garcia was was never anything to really look at this season he just kind of burst onto the scene as one of the better players. Um, The White Sox had, for sure, and one of the better right fielders in the American League. The question for Avi, the question really for the White Sox, perhaps this offseason, or at least one of the big ones, is what to do with Avi Garcia. He played all last season at age 26. He will turn 27 about halfway through the coming season. His June 12th guy is Avi Garcia. He's got two years left of control, same as Jose Abreu, and on this broadcast, sometimes fairly and sometimes just to make it easier for us on the show, we've kind of grouped the two of them together, Jose Abreu and Avi Garcia. With two years left of control and both of them being, you know, Avi's still a young man, going to be in that age 27 season next year, the question still remains whether or not that window of capability, that, that top value of player coincides with the rest of the White Sox plans. Fair to say, too, that if you were to look at trading Avi Garcia, if you wanted to try and make a move, and indeed there have been a couple of rumors of teams kicking tires on Avi Garcia, the Blue Jays being one, the Cardinals being the other, being another, and I think the Giants were rumored to be somewhat interested at one point. But but none of those none of those reports, none of those rumors went any farther. Than just kind of some preliminary interest, it seems. And, you know, I don't think any names were exchanged. That said, how much can you recoup if you were to trade Avi Garcia? If you're the White Sox, you go, wow, look at this fantastic season he had. He put it all together. This guy's an all star, no doubt about it. Wouldn't you want him on your team? The team coming back would sound, I think, and and fairly, a lot like White Sox fans before the season he hadn't put anything together quite yet obviously a big part of how this offense may work in 2018 and it might not be it might not be that he's part of the team long ter- term that he's part of the team long term but his first couple of months you know how he gets started in 2018 may well define the rest of the year, or help define the rest of the year for the White Sox. Certainly so much of it is going to be development of young talent. We're talking Tim Anderson, Yoan Mancada, Gialito, and Lopez, and perhaps Kopech if he's up. You know the names. But for Avi, it's kind of a situation where he has to yet again prove it. After a season like he had, you, you hate to be in that situation, I suppose. But on the other hand... You know, he's coming off of the most successful year of his career. Confidence likely has, has never been higher. And, you know, he's got a chance, I would guess, too, to stay a little healthier than he was last year. He played a lot of games. And and credit to him for, for getting in uh, 136 games last season. I think the White Sox were pretty cautious when injuries did pop up, knowing that they were headed for the wins and losses that they were. But, you know, Avi played through some and with a little bit of luck. He's got a healthier 2018 than 2017. Maybe that means you know more consistent production. Maybe that means a little bit more power, which is certainly something. Or if you were going to point to one thing that Avi could improve on, perhaps, it'd be a little bit more consistent power. 18 home runs, most he's ever had in a single season. Um, but, you know, with the build he has and with the way he's hit the ball, uh, nobody puts it on the ground or, or really hits liners as often as, as Avi does. A little bit more loft, and you know, who knows what the ceiling could be power wise for Avi Garcia. We had to hit a quick break, but Avi's certainly not the uh not the only right fielder we're gonna talk about in our review preview series. So stay right here. We'll be right back after the news and continue going into right field. We'll talk a bit about Aloy Jimenez and the rest of the White Sox prospects in right. I'm Connor McKnight. You got White Sox Weekly on WLS AM eight ninety. Welcome back to White Sox Weekly here on WLS AM 890. I'm Connor McKnight, and if you've ever dreamt of being a White Sox player, well, now is your chance. You can attend the 2018 Chicago White Sox Fantasy Camp at Camelback Ranch Glendale January 14th through the 20th, and you will be treated like a pro. For more information or to reserve your roster spot, call 623-302-5078 or sign up at whitesox.com. We are finishing up, as best we can, our right-field review-preview part uh, series, really, of the offseason. Uh, we kind of wrapped up Avi Garcia, or close to. Some of you might be saying, but wait, Connor, where's my highlight reel for Avi Garcia in 2017? Hold your horses. It's on its way. We'll just finish up with a couple of prospects, I think. You know, in right field this year for the White Sox, really it was, it was the Avi Garcia show. So I feel pretty confident that we can move down through the minor league system and take a look at some prospects. You may have heard that in the Jose Quintana trade, the White Sox recouped Aloy Jimenez, one of the top prospects in baseball. Quite simply, uh, Baseball Prospectus ranks him the number one prospect in the White Sox system. He was absolutely stunningly productive before coming over to the White Sox from the Cubs, and once he got to the White Sox organization, he was even better Uh, People describe, uh, scouts, people who have seen him and put eyes on him, describe the power as top of the scale, plays to all fields. He lets the ball get deep and can hit for average. He's everything. Certainly every prospect has warts and Aloy has his. There's a little bit of swing and miss, of course. Uh, The defense is kind of a question mark at this point, especially since he's so young and doesn't perhaps cover the kind of ground Uh, that you might like if he does fill out, get older, slow down some. You wonder if the corner right field spot is his. Certainly uh, the idea is and the hope is that the bat will play at any position. I'm talking about DH or or perhaps, I suppose, even first base. But the idea is that he's going to hit and hit for power, and that bat is going to be the kind of first division bat that you trade a, a top elite starter like Jose Quintana for. One of the more interesting things for me going into spring training this year is going to be where is Aloy Jimenez assigned to start the 2018 season? Really, for Aloy and for Luis Robert, I, I guess those are kind of the two things. You can make the argument that Aloy has proved himself ready, I suppose, for A baseball. Um, he only played 18 games at AA Birmingham, so obviously that argument is there too. You know, maybe a reassignment to double A and you let him tear that thing up before he goes to triple A. That's probably the likely path. But I, I'm going to find I'm, I'm going to be really excited to see where Aloy and Robert end up uh, to start the season or begin their seasons in 2018. Let's move down into the minor sum and deal with another two prospects who had some pretty impressive seasons this year. Luis Alexander Basabe and Micah Adolfo. Both of them came to the White Sox in stunningly different ways. Luis Alexander Basabe, L.A.B., was picked up in the Chris Sale trade from the Boston Red Sox. Mike Adolfo was one of the big, you know, first big international signings of the White Sox after uh, cleaning things up and making things right in their international markets down in Latin America. Adolfo, who, you know, signed incredibly young, is still 21 years old. And he put things together in 2017 at Kannapolis. Uh, not the... Overall, you know, groundbreaking season, but really started to, I think, have an idea of what he's trying to accomplish at the plate, played within himself a little bit. There was certainly some rawness there. There was certainly some swing and miss, but I think, you know, his year this year showed you the. Showed you the rawness and the the talent to dream on. Some a similar season for Luis Alexander Basabe got to the White Sox a lot different than Adolfo, but Basabe at High A Winston Salem was able to put things together fairly well. Uh, had some stretches of of getting hurt and had some stretches of, of disappointment, but I think for the most part, scouts still see some of the some of the rawness and some of the talent there that's yet to be refined, yet to be really kind of pulled together into one consistent run. We'll see where Basabe ends up being assigned this year, too. I would imagine Hay Winston-Salem would be a, a pretty even task for him. Uh, but for Luis Alexander Basabe, a guy who could play a little right, play a little center field, we'll see. Uh, it's It's kind of a year to... This is a show-up year, I, I think, perhaps, in a little way for Basabe. We'll put a bow on right field, though. I wouldn't be surprised at all if we get a little deeper into the minor leagues as we get closer to spring training. You hear the music, and that means one thing. Time for the 2017 Avi Garcia Highlight Reel. Aye. The pitch is swinging a high fly deep right center field. Racing to the track. At the wall. It's off the fence. Extra bases.
1: Buxton down on a warning track and right. The throw's cut off. Scoring frame to third Garcia 2-0 Sox Gives her weights in the 0-1 pitch, a high fly to right. It's going to send Garcia back to the track. Reaches up, makes the catch. Here's the 2-2 with two outs. Swinging a high fly to center. This Woods charge going back to the track at the fence. He's got two home runs tonight. Does Avciel of Garcia. This one to center field. Garcia is number one in the American League against left-handed pitching. He's in his first All-Star game. Got a great arm. Good athlete. 3-2 pitch. Swing a pop-up. Right center field. This is better than I thought. Buxton going back. This is carrying off the wall. And this one may have gone over the wall for a home run. Yeah, he went opposite field. To right center, and the Sox do lead, and lead three to two. Menes to look at third to one one, swinging a shot up the middle. That's a base hit. McCanna scores. Obviously driven in six. <laughs> it's
0: Eleven more White Sox. Wow, have a day, a career day for Avi Garcia with four hits, six runs batted in. More White Sox weekly when we come back. I'm Connor McKnight. This is WLSA AM 8-9. Welcome back to White Sox Weekly here on WLS AM 890. I'm Connor McKnight. We're continuing our Christmas Eve edition of White Sox Weekly here this afternoon. Glad you could join us. You can, as always, remember, download the podcast of these episodes. It's, uh, you know, people have things to do on a day like today. So if you weren't able to listen to the whole show, head over to the website, WLSAM.com slash White Sox, all of our podcasts All of our shows are available in podcast form on the little White Sox Weekly tab there. You can download them as you go. The two-hour shows from back during the season are split up, and the interviews are all listed there. So in case you're missing anything or you just want to maybe go back and re-listen, that is your way to do it. Speaking of re-listening, I wanted to, since we wrapped up right field, and really we wrapped up all the positions save one for the White Sox in our review preview series so far this offseason – starting pitcher is up next. I, I wanted to split the pitching into starting and relief for pretty obvious reasons. And I, I would imagine considering how the winter meetings went uh, and the White Sox not making a move to pick up a major league reliever and a lot of other teams doing so and kind of setting that market that we'll probably revisit relief pitching and we'll probably end up revisiting starting pitching after next week's new year's show too. So her new year's Eve show, I should say, but Suffice it to say, I wanted to take a little bit of a preview run at the starting pitching by looking into the minor leagues a little bit. If you were listening right around the Arizona Fall League, you might have heard this already, but I I thought this interview with Matt Zaleski, who was the pitching coach for the Glendale Desert Dogs, uh, the Arizona Fall League team the White Sox send their representatives to, um, and was also the pitching coach for Justin Gershley's Canapolis Intimidators, was I thought this interview was a really good one. I-, I thought it opened up some eyes, hopefully, on some names that you've heard in the minor leagues, guys like Dane Dunning, guys like Alec Hansen, who who Zaleski had last season, and also kind of taught you a little bit about what it was like, taught me a little bit, too, about what it's like to be in that mindset of of a pitcher, of an arm, in a, in an organization that is so stacked with arms. Maybe you're not Michael Kopeck That doesn't mean that you don't have a chance to develop and grow and become something of consequences in this system. So, in in light of that, you know, the conversation with Zaleski was was a really good one, and we'll pick it up in just a second. But not before I tell you this: if you're looking for the right gift for that young ball player in your life, and there's still you know like nine hours left to do this before Christmas morning, the Bulls Sox Youth Academy is hosting holiday baseball and basketball camps for boys and girls ages five to fourteen. Combination sport camps are available in multiple locations. Come join the fun this holiday season. Call 630-PLAY-BALL or visit BullsSoxAcademy.com for more information. All right, here he is, Matt Zaleski, the pitching coach for the Kannapolis Intimidators. We spoke to him in the Arizona Fall League about two months ago, I suppose, and we picked things up talking about his past as a player in the White Sox organization, close to a decade in the minors for Matt, and that left its mark on the young pitching coach. You know, I had 11 seasons in the minor
1: leagues with Mm -hmm. the White Sox, and, you know, it's credit to what myself does as a coach is credit to Coop, Haas, J.R. Purdue, Dodd, all the coaches that I've had throughout the organization. It's credit to them, like, the knowledge that We have starts from the big leagues and just works its way down. It's a great
0: cohesive unit that we have. What's the Arizona Fall League like in terms of coaching guys, pitchers specifically, with different levels of experience? For instance, you know, Jace threw balls against major leaguers this year. Connor Walsh looking to find it, foster the same kind of thing. But each of those guys kind of seem to be at a different tier. Is the message the same for those guys when you're down here at this level? Similar.
1: Uh, Obviously, guys like Jace... And Connor, who are a little bit further along in their career, it's more fine-tuning just a few things, being a little more consistent in the zone. And with Matt Foster, do a little bit more work on his delivery, just something to keep consistent with that rather than just have him. Because throw, Matt throws a ton of strikes, and it's it's great to see it, but if his delivery is a little out of whack, being a young pitcher, that can happen at times. And just... just watch some video, go over it and they'll get right to it but yeah. as far as Jace and Connor go, it's it's pretty much just like execution of pitch because they have a good feel for their deliveries and they it's very common to see the older, more experienced pitchers know when they feel it and they make the adjustments quicker
0: Wait for this guy to go out the door, otherwise speed eat up all my audio uh, Oh, thanks Adam So you, and this is yeah, this won't be a, a thing. But like, do you get like a literal checklist from other organizations about like, hey, here's some stuff that yeah. we want to, we want our guys yeah. to have to work yeah. on. Here are keys for a couple of players. Yes. interesting. That's kind yes. really of really It's for It's
1: different. You have to watch a ton of video. Yeah, and yeah, that makes sense. it's video and like like some guys will say, hey, we want this guy's slider to be at 85. It's at 80 right now. It's like, I don't oh, have okay. no magic touch. You just dial that up. I can write it in the report <laughs> that it was 85. It's <laughs> great that you want
0: that. I'm so happy for you that you right? want it that way. Right? <laughs> Lord. All right, uh, we'll hop back into it then. Um, so I, I joked with Connor Walsh a little bit about this. Uh, are, are you the guy, then, that has the duffel bag full of the White Sox cutter that you just hand out to pitching prospects? Like, do you... <laughs> Are you the guy who delivers that? Uh,
1: no, that stems from uh, the big leagues again with Coop, uh, Hass, Jr. Purdue's big cutter guy. Jr. is the one who taught me my cutter, and it stems like it's very common grip like that. It's just trickled down through the system, and it's just it seemed to work whether it tur- it's a slider or a cutter. Right, it always seems to
0: work. Does does it work because, I don't know, you tell me, does it work because the adjustment isn't that big off the fastball, or does it work for guys who have a delivery that sets well for it? Why is it so seemingly easy for you guys to get it to guys? It's very similar to your fastball.
1: It's just coming off your hand a little differently. It's not really a huge, like, turn the wrist, snap it off, anything like that. It's just coming off the fingertips a little bit differently,
0: and... Causes the cutting action to it. So at Canapolis this year, you saw two big guns come through. And, and more, too. I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of talent. Sox fans, though, are going to be most familiar with Hanson and with Dunning. Let's talk a little bit about those two and the steps that you saw them make. Obviously, the whole you know, point something ERA for both of them kind of speaks for itself. But as you saw them grow and struggle some, too, in, in some starts, mm-hmm. What were the big knocks for them? What were the big pluses? Uh, start out with Hanson. Like he's made progress from the
1: time he got here to when he left Kenaples at the half this year, and his delivery's gotten cleaner. His consistency's gotten a lot cleaner. Like when we were in rookie ball together, it was pretty much he could just outstuff everyone. Yeah. There's some better hitters in Kanapolis. You know, there'd be days where he could just outstuff everyone. And then he'd have days where it'd be 10, 15, 12 strikeouts, and it would be days that he was locating his fastball off speed, both off speeds that he has really good in the zone. It was just. He's a special player, and Dane's the same way. And I know he had, didn't have probably the year he wanted to in Winston, but his first eight or four starts with us, it was unbelievable. Like I think he walked one guy, and fastballs to both sides of the plate, mixing speeds, good breaking balls, change of speeds, good change-up. He has a great four-pitch repertoire, and so does Alec. To his credit, he went and worked on his changeup in the
0: off-season, and it's gotten tremendously better throughout the year. When you get a guy like Dane or or like Alec, who could have gone 1-1 if his senior season goes a little bit different at Oklahoma, obviously, um, how how do you keep the carrot out in front of guys where you know and they know that they're moving up at some point this year?
1: You know, it just if it's a bad outing, try and keep – if they're feeling low on confidence, just try and bring back to that. They know they need to see how good they actually are. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily just focus on, like, okay, what went wrong, but, like, let's go what went right that outing. And, sure, if there's some delivery issues, we can attack that and go after it. But if it's, like, you, it's baseball. Like, you can have your best stuff one day and get beat up. It's It's the game. It happens. But as far as like, it's more of a confidence thing with younger guys that I see that trickles down and you get, guy gets hit around, man, I felt like I had my good stuff. Yeah, it's the game. Like, let's go and see, because our eyes as pitchers tell us something different than what the video actually tells us. Like, you may think you located a fastball down our way, realistically, it was a little bit up, and then that was the double that scored two runs. Mm -hmm. So it's like, okay, let's break stuff down, but... Those two are both tremendous on far as like kind of wiping each start away from itself and just building on their next one.
0: So at at that low A level, um, I would imagine that's, it seems like that's a point where not all the guys, but a lot of guys do start to go from starter role, whether they were in college or JUCO or whatever, into a reliever role. How has that conversation worked for you with guys as you transition them into shorter and shorter stints? Uh, we
1: I, For us, we haven't had to take anybody in Kannapolis this year and move them from a starter to a reliever, so that was very fortunate. And it's not an easy transition. We've had a couple guys come from the reliever mm-hmm. side to be a starter. We had a couple guys come down from Winston to relieve the start. And That's it's, right, yeah. It's not a bad thing because you can actually – a start at a reliever it's a pretty easy transition you just have to the thing that takes time is the how to figure out how to get ready to get in the game cuz you don't have your pre-game long toss your 30 or 40 pitches off the mound you got like 15 and the baseball's in your hand on the mound in between the white lines but the reliever to starters it's kind of gratifying to see as a coach cuz you see a guy who's maybe as a reliever he's just 80% fastballs, and he's 97 hunter and he's just blowing it by everybody, or getting weak contact if he's got a sinker. Trying to get them to realize that you can't go through more than a lineup once right. you know, with that. and like You have to develop some pitches and some pitchability on what to throw and what counts, and executing all that stuff. And That was kind of fun the second half of the season. You know, first half, we had a great season. We had all those tremendous arms, and it was Great to win, and you know, each pitcher showed progress and developed, and it's great to send them on their way. You know, they, they absolutely had earned it, and then had the new group of guys come in a couple from Winston, a couple from Extended, and just getting to work with the new new group of guys for the second half was kind of fun. You know, even though we didn't win games, it's not always about winning. Yeah, we love winning as a coaches, but if they come in on June fifteenth or whatever, and we can see them get better by the end of the regular season. Then that's just it feels good for us, because not necessarily, especially in our organization, we're not gonna, you're not gonna have too many guys like Chris Sale, Carlos Rodon, who just it's obvious they're yeah. there, yeah. they're there, their talents there, everything goes. And there's going to be some time that it takes to develop some guys. And, you know, hopefully we continue to do a good job as a minor league side and produce more guys like that.
0: That's White Sox minor league pitching coach Matt Zaleski. You can catch the interview like we mentioned, WLSAM.com slash White Sox. You can catch all of our podcasts there. That's going to do it for us here on White Sox Weekly. Before we let you go and Send you off to a Merry Christmas. There is no better way to watch a White Sox game than in premium seating. The Chicago White Sox offer all-inclusive club areas, private suites, and the best locations and accommodations. We have the perfect option for two people or the whole office. For more information, call 312-674-6330 or visit Sox. Dot com. Thanks so much for listening. We will catch you next week, Sunday at noon. The review preview series will take us to the rotation, and that will, in effect, wrap up our 2017 here on the show. We'll have hit every position, and making it look like we almost planned it, that'll wrap up the year as well. Have a wonderful holiday. Merry Christmas to those of you who celebrate. And a happy new year to all. We will catch you Sunday at noon for the last White Sox weekend of 2017. I'm Connor McKnight, WLS ame